evening. Um, my wife Abby doesn't get off work till five, so she wasn't able to uh, travel with me, but um, she sends her greetings as well. I'd ask you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Ezra. Ezra. Not a book we commonly turn to, but if you start at the psalm and just go back a few books, you'll, you'll find it. Um, back home, I teach our kids' Sunday school class, our high school kids, and we have started a, a study going through the books of the Bible um, and trying to trying to find a, a lesson in each book of the Bible, and we, we look at a few things. We we try to look at when it was written. Uh, the book of Ezra, the, the writers say it was written around 400 B.C. We'll look at the author, try to figure out who who wrote it, uh, which in this case uh, bears the author's name. Most most believe that Ezra written, had written that, but. Uh, and that's all good information. But what is most critical, regardless of what book of the Bible it is, those details are nice to know. But we've got to see Christ. That's, that's, that's our desire. That's our aim. That's our hope. Whatever, whatever book we find ourselves in is, where's Christ? To see, to see him. Um, look at uh, look at Ezra, chapter three. We're going to, we're willing to get to chapter nine, but I just want to look at a few a few verses here. Ezra chapter three, verse eleven. And they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he, who? The Lord is good. His mercy endureth forever toward Israel, toward his church, toward his chosen people. I'm just constantly fascinated by God's word. 400 years before our Lord walked this earth, these praises were sung. Huh? And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now, now much, much of the book of Ezra points to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we often see in the, in the Old Testament scriptures, men in error, I, I don't, well, I do know. I knew though because there was a time, and probably we all know that there was a time when we couldn't see Christ in, on any page in this, in this book. But, but some see this Old Testament as, as nothing but a, a history book. Huh? Uh, 
There are, there are those who all they have is Matthew through Revelation. They don't even have the Old Testament in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in their Bible. But the gospel, the gospel is clearly present in the Old and the New Testament. I, our Lord said this. He, he, just listen to a few of these passages. In John chapter 5, verse 46, he said, Had you believed Moses? Moses wrote those first five books of the Bible, didn't he? He said, had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. Why is it? Because Moses wrote of me. In, in Luke chapter 24, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written where? Just in the New Testament? No, the New Testament hadn't even been written yet, had it? Written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me, concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. He's seen. He's seen. If, if the Lord is pleased to open our eyes, he is revealed throughout the scriptures, Old and New Testament. But I've got to tell you, I love these Old Testament pictures. They're just, they're just so clear. You do, I'm, I'm, Brother Todd, I remember him saying that. He said, we can't even begin to come up with illustrations. We might think we come up with some good ones every now and then, but there's none that are so clear as what's written in the Old Testament. In, in the book of Genesis, he's, he's pictured throughout Genesis, but, but that ark, huh, there, was, there was one way of deliverance, wasn't there? The whole earth, the entire earth was destroyed. And yet, deliverance was provided by Almighty God. Huh? The world perished, but eight souls, oh, just a few, but eight souls were saved. In Exodus, we read of the, the Passover lamb. Huh? That lamb slain. In Egypt, listen, there was death. There was a cry that went up like had never been heard before. Can you imagine those folks woke up that next morning and, I mean, the firstborn in every house, dead. But the children of Israel, there was death, but it was that lamb. Huh? There was a substitute. That lamb had been slain and that blood had been applied. And then they just went in the house. And God said to them, he said, when I see the blood, I'll pass. I will pass over you. And he passed over them in, in mercy and grace. How? By the blood. And he continues to do that for his people today. By the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, he passes over his people. No wrath. No judgment. It was all on his son. The Lord Jesus Christ bore the sins of 
of his people. In, in the book of Leviticus, we read of the blood before the Lord. That, that blood before the Lord. Oh, we read of man's sin. We read of a sacrifice. Oh, that perfect sacrifice without spot and without blemish. Can that point to any? Any but the Lord Jesus Christ? Huh? That blood was brought before the Lord. A blood sacrifice pointing to Christ, our Redeemer. Christ, our substitute. That Listen, he must suffer. The Lord Jesus Christ must suffer unto death. The, the only way God can honor his holy law, the only way in which he can satisfy his perfect justice, the only way he can fulfill his righteous sentence and still justify a guilty sinner was for the Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man, for him to come to this earth, robe himself in human flesh, to come into this world and suffer unto death. In the book of Numbers, that brazen serpent, children of Israel, they had, they had murmured. That, isn't that us? Isn't that a clear picture of us? how he's blessed us, how he's provided for us, and yet we continually murmur and complain and find fault. The people had murmured. God sent, God sent judgment on the people. He sent those fiery serpents, and they bit the people, and we read that much people died. The people went to Moses. They said, intercede. Can you intercede on our behalf? And he went to God and God said, make a serpent of brass. Lift it up on a pole. And what happened? Everybody that, everybody that looked at that brazen serpent lived. The Lord Jesus Christ, he was, he was lifted up, wasn't he? Huh? And isn't that the command? Look, such a simple command. Look. And live. In Deuteronomy, we read of the, the cities of refuge. Uh, there, were, there were strict directions about those, weren't there? And a man could flee there. Uh, the roads were to be kept clear. Uh, it would be well marked. If a man killed his brother unaware, he could, he could flee to that city. That was the one place of safety. You know, to, to know some historical facts about that city and be able to recite them, I guess that would probably impress your friends, but it wouldn't have done a fella any good, would it? You had to be in the city. You had to remain in the city. And again, pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Judges, that scarlet line. You ever wonder, you ever wonder, of all the collars that rope could have been, it was a scarlet line. Again, pointing to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I want us this evening, I pray the Lord would enable us this evening to look here in the book of Ezra 
and, and see just a glimpse, that he would enable us to worship him and see just a glimpse of our, of our Savior. Now look at chapter 7 of Ezra, verse 6. It says here that Ezra went up from Babylon and he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. Now, a couple, a couple things here. Ezra, it says he was a ready scribe. And the hand of God was upon him. Peter, in the, in, in the New Testament, uh, it's 1 Peter 1, but prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Okay? But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They wrote, Ezra and all these other fellows, they wrote what God gave them to write. Huh? 2 Timothy 3, all Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's helpful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, complete, thoroughly furnished unto all Good work. It's God's... Think about that. What we hold in our hands, this is God's Word. It's the, it's the inspired Word of God. And, and I, know, I know your pastor is faithful to this, and I know that any man that stands in this place is faithful to this. If, if he's not, he won't be standing here for very, for very long. Huh? What we preach... What we declare is God's word. Not, um, listen, not man's opinion. We have no interest in that, do we? Not man's, not man's revelation. Not man's thoughts. It's definitely not man's thoughts. He said that. He said, he said uh, my thoughts are, your thoughts aren't my thoughts, are they? Neither are your ways my ways. No, we preach the word. God's holy. We interpret Scripture with Scripture. His word. That was listen. That was Paul's instruction to young Timothy, wasn't it? What did, what did he tell him? He said, "Preach the word. Preach the word. Be instant in season. Reprove, rebuke. Right? Preach the word." And the same thing is said back in the Old Testament, back there in Isaiah eight verse twenty. To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it's because there is no light in them. We must hear, we must hear a message. If, if it doesn't come from God's word, it's not, it's not a message. Paul writing to the Galatians, he said this, he said, though we, think about that. This is, this is Paul speaking. He said, though we are an angel from heaven, 
preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached. Let him be accursed. Well, that's strong, isn't it? This is, this is a serious, serious matter. Ezra, it says he was a ready scribe. Huh? He, he was ready. He was diligent. Again, Paul, he writes to the Romans, he said, as much as is in me, I am ready. Ready to what? Ready to preach the gospel to you. Now, still in verse 6, the hand of the Lord was upon Ezra. He was, he was called of God. I, turn to verse 10, Ezra 7. Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Ezra had prepared to seek the law of the Lord. Huh? He, he didn't just wake up one morning and think, well, I'll just read a few verses here and make some comments. No, he, he prepared. You, Aaron, you prepare, don't you? When, when, the, when the Lord calls you to preach somewhere, you, you spend time, and you men that do this, you spend time in God's word. And I, I pray, I pray the Lord has prepared me this evening to preach to you. And in like manner, I pray the Lord has prepared us to receive that word, huh? to, to hear that word, to rejoice in that word, to worship him, that he would give us that he'd give us a teachable spirit. Um, I, I don't know about you all, but, but there are times I've been told things I needed to know, and I've probably said, I, I don't need to hear that. Uh, you, you'd be working on something, and somebody tries to help you. Am I, am I, I'm probably the only one in here that that ever happens to, right? I, I, I think about that, that Ethiopian eunuch. Remember when he was, he was coming back from whatever kind of religious meeting that was and the Lord sent Philip to him? I, and Philip asked him, he said, do you understand what you're reading? I, I, I've approached people before on a multitude of things. And what, are the, what, what do we typically say? I've got it. I'm good, right? What did that eunuch say? How can I? How can I accept some man should guide me? How can I accept some man should teach me? Oh, I pray he'd give us, each of us. And I'm, anything I'm telling you, I promise you, I'm telling myself, give me a teachable, give me a teachable spirit. A desire to hear his word. The ability to hear his word. Seeing I, hearing ear, they're both of the Lord, aren't they? Huh? Well... Let's, let's read on here. Turn to chapter 8. Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us 
for our little ones, for all our substance. Ezra proclaimed a, a fast. He said that we might afflict ourselves. Now, that word afflict, it means to, it means to humble, to be humbled. It means to submit, that we might submit. And, boy, this, this prayer, he says to seek of him a right way. A right way. Uh, that word, a right way, it means straight. A straight way. It means a, a correct way. It means a righteous way. A right way for us. That was Moses' prayer. Remember, he said, show me now thy way. I pray he'd give me a desire to know his way. Huh? He, he said, a right way for us. A right way in this, in this world, as we walk through this world. Don't, don't we pray the Lord would direct our steps, that he would show us his way? A right way in, in, in matters of this, like this church, huh? as, we, as we gather together worship, that he would show us a right way. But listen, that he would show us a right way in salvation, not give us over to error. Huh? A right way for us. Isn't, it, isn't that your desire for yourself, huh? for, for your wife? A right way for us. Who else? Oh, a right way for our, our little ones. I, I, I tell you, I, I, think, I think before they're even born. Uh, it isn't, isn't that our, I mean, above all things, I mean, we want our kids to be successful. We want them to be healthy. We want so many things. But is there anything that we could ask for more important than the salvation of their souls, a right way for our little ones. A right way for all our substance. Huh? Let me ask you this. What is that way? Let me rephrase that question. Who? Who is that way? The Lord Jesus Christ said this. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to take, this is my word, right? The Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Huh? Show us. Show us thy way. The Lord Jesus Christ. He is he is the way. Turn to Ezra 9. I want us to, with what time we've got left here, look, look beginning with verse 5. And we'll look down through verse 15. At the evening sacrifice... 
the evening sacrifice. In the New Testament, that's the, that's the ninth hour. That evening sacrifice. That, listen, that's the, that's the same hour in which our Lord gave up the ghost. Huh? That's the same hour when that veil was rent in two. From the top to the bottom. No, no confusion about who did that, is there? Huh? He rent that veil in two. What did that signify? The way to God. Huh? An opening. That, 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 for the longest time, that was, that was only the priest could enter in. The vilest of sinners can now enter in to the presence of God. In the Lord Jesus, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm? Let's, let's read, let's read on here. At the evening sacrifice, I rose up from my heaviness, having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees, I spread out my hands unto the Lord my God, and I said, Oh my God. Now, sadly, we hear that phrase often, don't we? Huh? Well, I tell you, when, when Ezra spoke it, it wasn't in blasphemy, was it? It wasn't, it wasn't in taking the Lord's name in vain. No, he said, oh, my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God. For our iniquities are increased over our head and our trespass is grown up into the heavens. Since the days of our fathers, we've been in a great trespass unto this day. And for our iniquities have we, our kings, our priests, been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands to the sword, to captivity, and to a spoil, and to a confusion of face, as it is this day. Ezra, now he speaks for the people, but he's speaking of himself. And you see that? Huh? I am ashamed. I blush to lift up my face to thee, my God. What's he saying there? I'm a sinner. Can that, I am a Sinner. I, I, can't even, I can't even stand in, in your presence. Isn't that, what that, isn't, that what the, isn't that the same prayer of that publican when he, when he beat on his chest and, and he wouldn't even raise his eyes to the heaven and he said, God, be merciful to me, the sinner? Huh? Doesn't end there, does it? Look at verse 8. And now, for a little space, Little, little space. This, this building is not a huge building, is it? Huh? In, in the grand scheme of things, it's just, a, it's just a little space. In this big city, it's just a little space, isn't it? But the gospel, think about that. The gospel is faithfully preached here week after week after week. Huh? Grace. Grace has been shown.
from the Lord our God to leave us a, a remnant to escape. Uh, this, this little space, grace has been given. Grace has been showed from the Lord our God. And to give us a nail in this holy place that God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. For we were bondmen. They had been brought out of bondage. And yet our God, even in their bondage, even in their bondage, he said, God hath not forsaken us. Isn't that what he promised? He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God and to repair the desolations thereof and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. And now, O our God, what shall we say after this? For we have, we have forsaken thy commandments. We don't have anything to say, do we? I can just cover, just cover my own mouth, right? My own mouth would condemn me. We've forsaken thy commandments, which thou hast commanded by thy servants, the prophets, saying, the land which you go to possess it, it's an unclean land with the filthiness of the people of the lands, with their abominations which have filled it from one end to the other with their uncleanness. Now therefore give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek their peace or their wealth forever, that you may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. I, I believe there's a word of, of, of caution they had told them, don't, don't, don't. The people described, and it's, it's, it's a description of us, but early on there in verse 1 and 2, he said, uh, he said, verse 1 of chapter 9, Now these things were done. The prince came to me saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites, they've not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations. Even the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, these were all godless people. Uh, they, these were heathen, heathen nations. We're in this world. But we're, we're not to be of this world. We're told, love not, love not the world, nor the, nor the things in it. And he said, you've given your, you've given your sons... To marry their daughters, you've given their daughters to marry their sons. Again, I, I believe there's a word of, of caution in that. How, how often, how often do we see, and uh, I, believe it, I believe it's when, just like they said, doing according to their abominations. Um, young fellow starts maybe dating a girl. And, and what happens? He kind of follows kind of follows her and he drifts drifts away from the gospel that now it says they went out from us because they were never among us but to continue to continue in his word a, a, a desire to to hear his word and an insistence upon sitting under the 
sitting under the gospel for, for, our, for our children. Well, let's, let's read on here. Verse 13, And after all that is come upon us for our evil deeds and our great trespasses, seeing that thou art God, listen to this, our God has punished us less than our iniquities deserve and has given us such a deliverance as this. He's punished us less than our iniquities deserve. What do we deserve? What have we earned? The wages of sin is death. Has he, has he punished us less than our iniquities deserve? We're deserving of, of death, destruction. And yet, he's given us grace. He's given his people mercy. He's given his people forgiveness. Oh, he's, he's given us less than our iniquities deserve and has given us such a deliverance as this should we again break thy commandments and join in affinity with the people of these abominations wouldest not thou be angry with us till thou had consumed us so that there should be no remnant or no escaping verse 15 O Lord God of Israel Thou art righteous. For we remain yet escaped as it is this day. Behold, we are before thee in our trespasses, and we can't stand before thee because of this. We can't stand before God, not outside of Christ. Huh? The Lord God of Israel. I got just three points here. Three points. The Lord God of Israel is righteous. He's, he's just and he is righteous in all that he does. Huh? He doesn't need to explain anything to us, does he? No. In all that he does, he is just and he is Righteous. And his people are a sinful people. Huh? Yet, his people are found righteous. Scripture declares this that, that we, that God's people, are made the very righteousness of God. Isn't that just too good to be that just too good to be true? Noah, go all the way back there to Genesis. What did it say? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then just a little later in Genesis 71, 7 verse 1, the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark for I have found you, Noah. Noah was, a, Noah was a scoundrel just like the rest of us. I have found you, Noah, 
to be righteous. Righteous before me. 2 Corinthians 5.21. We love this scripture, don't we? For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the very righteousness of God in him. There's the key to it. In Christ Jesus and only in him. Second, we read here, we remain escaped as it is this day. Escaped. A remnant, a small number that has been delivered. Isaiah 45, 20 says, Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near unto me, who? Ye that are escaped of the nations. A, a remnant according to the election of grace. Escaped. That word means, sometimes we hear that word escaped and uh, we think of somebody just taking off running, trying to get away. And it can mean that, but here, listen, it means delivered. Huh? Called out of darkness into his marvelous light. The light of the gospel. The light of his son. Called out of ignorance. Called out of idols. Called out of will worship. Called out of all that into his Glorious gospel. A righteous people. Made, made righteous. A delivered people. We're a delivered people. Throughout scripture. You reckon, you reckon when they took Daniel and they cast him into that den of lions, you think anybody thought they would come back the next day and see anything but a carcass? God delivered him. Delivered him out out of the mouth of the lion. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Out of that out of that fiery furnace. Could they be could they be delivered? How's that How's that possible? Huh? Remember what was said? I thought, we, I thought we cast three men into that furnace. I see four. And one of them is like the Son of, like the son of God. Delivered. Delivered. So completely delivered that the, the smell of smoke... That is impossible. That is impossible to stand by by fire and not not smell like smoke. They they come out of that fiery furnace and the smell of smoke wasn't even upon them. The children of Israel, despite their murmuring and complaining, he delivered them out out of Egypt. Ezra writes, he delivered us. We're escaped. Delivered from wicked men. Delivered 
from the power of darkness, delivered from the wrath to come. You sang this song. You led us in this. Tis the grandest theme through the ages rung. Tis the grandest theme for the mortal tongue. Tis the grandest theme that the world ever sung. Our God is able to deliver thee. Tis the grandest theme, let the tidings roll. Tis the, to the guilty heart, to the sinful soul. Look to God in faith. He'll make thee whole. Our God is able to deliver thee. That just thrilled my heart when you, when you led us in that, in that song. A righteous people. A delivered people. And, and last point here. An undeserving people. Huh? You still have verse 15 of Ezra 9. He said, we are before thee in our trespasses, for we cannot stand before thee because of this. Oh, I'm guilty. Huh? I'm, a, I'm a sinner. I, I have no plea. I can't even plead ignorance. I guess I could, but it's not going to do me any good, is it? I can't say anything in defense of my actions. I can give no reason that judgment should not pass on me. We can do nothing but fall at his feet. I'm in his hands. I need mercy. Lamentations 3.22 it's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. His compassions fail not. In fact, we read on there, it says this, His mercies are new every morning. We need that, don't we? New mercies each day. We need Him. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't we thankful? Aren't we thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners? And he did it all for his glory. A remnant, a peculiar people set apart for himself, made to be his own, Purchased, purchased people, purchased by his own blood. A people that were not a people, yet are now the people of God. A people that had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a peculiar people, a sinful people made righteous. Scripture says he saved us. He, who did that? He did. He saved us and he called us with a holy calling not according to our works, 
Aren't we thankful for that? We don't have any. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace given in Christ Jesus before the world began. All right. I pray God would be pleased to bless his word.